and welcome to another episode of Cinema Oblivia, your podcast for discussions on weird, old, and in some cases not so old, I guess kind of old, movies. Uh, I'm your host, as usual, James Eldred, and who do I got back with me today? Hello, it's Anthony Abbott, and I am very happy to be back on the show. Anthony, I'm happy you're here, and I'm happy I'm here. <laughs> it's been so a while. I. <laughs> uh, I had that little mini non-episode last month. Uh, well, just like, hey, I've watched a lot of movies because I had COVID. Um, but this is the first proper episode in since December 12th. Mm-hmm. Um, because in case you missed that, I got bronchitis. Then I got better. Then I got COVID. For the first time, then I had to move. Not, be- not because I got COVID. Uh, but I was... <laughs> <laughs> got COVID. Get the fuck out. No, I... <laughs> I had I was I, I has was planning a, an apartment move, and on top of that, I have you know my fibromyalgia stuff, and on top of all that, this 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 week I managed to completely destroy my back. You know, sound bars are heavy. Ooh. Do you have a sound bar? Uh, I do actually. Yeah, I, I got one during the holidays. Yeah, yeah. What what do, what do you got? Uh, you I know? got like this little this little Vizio like five point one setup for my apartment. I got a Sony. A-T-A-X-7000. It sounds like a car in RoboCop, like the name. <laughs> and it's it weighs 20 pounds. And uh, I kept having connecting issues. And I didn't realize until doing this for like two hours. But every time I'm lifting that up, I'm basically doing a 20-pound squat. Um, So now my back really hurts. <laughs> oh, man. So this podcast is brought to you by opiates. No. Um <laughs> <laughs> I have a prescription. Uh, so if I sound a little spacey, maybe that's 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 why. But I wanted to get my sound set up because t- today we're going to be talking about, I watched it last night, The Last Stand um, from 2013. Probably the last starring, well, no, the last non-franchise Schwarzenegger film of note. Would you agree? You know what? I, I think, actually, yeah, I was thinking that when I, when I watched it today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, but before we talk about that, it's been a while since you've been on here. It's been a while since I've been on here. <laughs> um, watch anything else good recently, Anthony? You know, you're not you're not going to expect probably the two things I tell you. I've I been never watching. do with you. You're a wild okay. card. Okay. I'm I'm all over the place usually, um, but I also because I also keep up with, like you know with podcasts and entertainment in general. I have been watching the Kung Fu Panda movies. Hey, you um, know, I saw the first two. Yeah, and they're good. Well, I had seen the first one. Like you know, I think I rented it way back in the day because I like animation and everything. And it was like, oh, it's actually pretty good. And I was surprised that like the second and third. I'm like, overall, these are all better than I expected them to be. Like, pretty solid animated movies. Um, so I've been, I just finished watching Kung Fu Panda three a few days ago. Okay. And but to juxtapose that, uh-huh. <laughs> I've also started season two of Twin Peaks. You know, I have, aside from watching it when I shouldn't have when it first came out when I was like seven, mm-hmm. uh, I have never seen Twin Peaks. And I really should. Um, are you watching it because of uh, uh, Next Lander? Yes. The, so yeah. the Next Lander watch cast, um, I, it's a show that I've, I've circled around for years and I've had friends who loved it. And I feel like it's something I, as, as much tolerance as I have for like strange 
storytelling, you would think I'd be all into like everything David Lynch does. I've seen a couple of David Lynch things, not everything, but I was like, you know what? This podcast is doing a watch long. I'm going to finally jump into it. And it's as bizarre as I expected it to be. But I, I don't know if, if this podcast wasn't watching it. I don't know if I would keep going with it. Well, season two, from what I know, is season two is a big slump. Because yeah, that's what I've heard. Dave, David Lynch had to leave the show or got fired or whatever. And I heard the, that recent return is amazing. So I guess stick with it. Yeah. You know, uh, that's why I don't watch most TV because I'm not patient. Uh, I, I, I do want to watch Twin Peaks at some point. I remember. So has, has, have you gotten to Bob? I cannot remember. I just watched the first mm-hmm. episode of season two, which was like a double episode. I don't do you remember know who kills Laura Palmer? No, no. Okay, then you don't haven't gotten to Bob. Bob, Bob didn't kill up, but don't worry, that's not a spoiler. Um, there's a character in Twin Peaks that uh, is, I, I, don't, I can't spoil, I know this, even though I haven't watched it, who, it's Twin Peaks, so the character doesn't really exist. You know how Twin Peaks, you know, you, you know it's weird. And yeah. that character exists because the carpenter who was working on the show was accidentally in a reflection on a shot, and David Lynch liked it and put him in a, put him in a TV show. And that carpenter was the set designer for joysticks. You know what? I've already seen a boom mic in a shot that I. Uh, now let me that tell you, might be was it in widescreen? Um, I th- yeah, and, and I was there was a moment where the show is so weird where I was like, was that intentional or not? Because I really couldn't tell. Yeah, that could be a reframing issue from putting it in widescreen. Yeah, because uh, I'm I'm watching it on yeah. streaming, so yeah, yeah, that's funny though. But yeah, let me know how it goes because like. I've always been curious about the show, and I love David Lynch. Ha- have you ever seen um, what's that movie? Um, the Wild 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 at Heart. I've never seen that. The only Lynch movies Ooh. I've seen before, I've seen a uh, long time ago. I saw Mulholland Drive. That's um, a great movie, yeah. And I've seen well, very recently I watched uh, Blue. Was it Blue Velvet? Blue. <laughs> uh, the one with Dennis Hopper is that the title? Oh, yeah. Blue Velvet. I saw that in the past year or two for the first time. And uh, I feel like other than that, I think those are the only other David Lynch things I can remember that I've seen. Doesn't Dennis Hopper at one point in that movie say, Mommy, Daddy Wants Fuck? Yes, he does. Yes, okay. I thought <laughs> so. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, that movie's fucked up. I watched that movie over 20 years ago. It is in my head crystal clear. Um, watch Wild at Heart. Okay. If you want to see hot Laura Dern. Um. Crazy Nicholas Cage, crazy Willem Dafoe, crazy Crispin Glover, like 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 a um, a trifecta, um, and watch it knowing it is a pastis of Wizard of Oz, and you'll be thinking I'm lying to you until the last five seconds. Okay, um, that is great. That is my favorite David Lynch. of the David Lynch films I've seen. That's my favorite. I have still not seen Inland Empire, The Straight Story, a few of uh, Elephant Man, Eraserhead. I haven't. I don't oh wait. Seen I- I have seen Elephant Man. I forgot that was one of his movies. I saw that a yes. long time ago, like on TV way back in the day. And I've been hovering around Eraserhead, which I just haven't watched yet. I don't know if I can do it. That's not really my scene. Uh, it's a little too avant-garde for my basic bitch tastes. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, recently I've been watching <laughs> um, a lot of Arnold, like a lot, and we'll get to that. Um, my boyfriend and I watched the Jason Statham mechanic film. The oh, mechanic. how was it? You know, it was better than I thought it would be. It wasn't great. Like I enjoyed it. I, I it wasn't boring. It was short. It had some decent action sequences for a modern action film because I always feel like they're a little underwhelming. Uh 
I think Jason Statham is incredibly hot. So does that. I'll watch him do anything. And the bad guy in it, one of the bad guys in it is the bad guy in the Schwarzenegger film, The Sixth Day. I've uh, never seen The Sixth Day. That's one not, of the few Schwarzeneggers I haven't seen. It's, it's fun. It's, it's, it, I, I, that's a fun movie too. But I watched them both the same week. <laughs> and so... I'm the only person to see Tony Goldwyn twice in a week, I think. Tony <laughs> Goldwyn is best known for... well. He is an, apparently, he is an Oppenheimer. I don't know who he is in Oppenheimer. But he's the bad guy in Ghost. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So he plays a good, he plays a good yep, yuppie prick. And the mechanic was good. I want to watch the sequel. I watched Conquest, which was this bizarre Ful- Lucio Fulci sword and sandals sci-fi movie that was like... Oddly beautiful, incredibly gory, and intensely homoerotic, but I think unintentionally. So that was okay. fun. I recommend that, especially to my audience. If anyone audience likes men on loincloths, then yo. Um, and the only one, last one I'll talk about really quick. I watched I watched Night, Night of the Demons one and two. Those are fun movies. But last night I watched The Protector, which is one of the few Jackie Chan films I have not seen. And wait, not the Tony Jaa protect, Protector? No, nope, a different, nope, different Protector. This oh, okay. is. 1984, I want to say 85. Okay. Uh, it stars now. Here's a cast for you. Here's, here's a buddy. Here's a buddy comedy cast for you. Jackie Chan and Danny Aiello. I'm in. Okay. Um, it is by James Glickenhaus. James Glickenhaus directed The Exterminator and Shakedown and McBain. Um, and he is a. Str- Glickenhouse films take place in a reality that are that is not that is fun but stupid. Um, the Protector is a bad film. It was one of Jackie Chan's first attempts to make an American film, and he got so he was so mad at the film. Firstly, he bought the rights to it and shot a different version in Hong Kong with better fight sequences and different subplots and like less swearing and nudity. And secondly, he was so mad about it that it inspired him to make Police Story. Okay, that makes sense. So without The Protector, which is not a great film, we would not have Police Story, which is a great film. So kudos there. Uh, the American Cut is currently on Peacock. Uh, you could do a lot worse. And if you want to see Danny Aiello in his boxes with, with an Uzi, <laughs> um, go for it. I've only seen Danny Aiello in like four films, and like it's like Leon, Moonstruck, this and Jacob's Ladder. You cannot pick four more different movies. <laughs> I, you know, I, I know I've seen him in like a couple of different random things, but I think my first reference for him was always uh, in the Madonna "Papa Don't Preach" video. Oh, because that's one of my because right. that's one of my mom's favorite Madonna songs. So I heard you that just, song a lot. You just outgayed me. <laughs> God damn it! Uh, fuck, especially with Madonna. I, I, I am. Um, oh, I'm, I'm ashamed. I have to hang up my. Uh, I mean, I. Have to, I w- Listen, I'm, I was Madonna's fan because she was hot to me in the 90s. So You're not know. wrong. I mean, hey, you, <laughs> you know, know. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, all <laughs> stereotypically. And also just if you know me, I own over 100 Madonna vinyl, sing, vinyl singles. So I should, oh, I, should okay. know, I should know this. I'm ashamed of myself. I'm going to turn in my gay card. Also, he was <laughs> do the right thing, of course. But I, I, to yeah. be honest, I have not seen that yet. So um, I know it's a good movie. I'm not, I'm not an idiot. Uh but um, but protector, you know, if you like if you like dumb action, check it out.
speaking of dumb action, today's film. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, I've chose, I wanted to talk about this for a long time. You agreed with me to talk about it. Had you seen it before? So, when I watched it this time, I thought for some reason I had not seen it. I think I might have seen this when it came out, and I might have forgotten a lot of it. Um, Because it really surprised me. So I feel like this might have been a first watch. But there were parts I was like, I think I've seen parts of this. But I I think I might have seen the trailer so many times. It just felt familiar. Because there was definitely trailer moments that I remember in the movie. So this felt like a a first watch. There's a shot with a Gatling gun that is like trailer bait. Like for sure. there's that yeah. and one of the old old jokes about him. Uh, like, how, oh. how are you feeling? He's like, I feel old. Like, that was definitely in the trailer. That was in the trailer. That's a great scene, too. Yeah. Uh, a lot of good comedy in this movie. This is The Last Stand um, from 2013, uh, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. And we'll get to him in a bit. But a lot of, I think, film nerds. Okay, let me, let me rephrase that. Film nerds who like good films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably if they know this film. They know it because the director is uh, Kim Ji-won, who is a Korean director who has made some very highly acclaimed films. He made I Saw the Devil. He made Tale of Two Sisters, uh, A Bittersweet Life, and The Good, the Bad, and the Weird. Uh, These are all films I have not seen (laughs) Um, because every time I read anything about his films, I, I do want to see Good, the Bad, and the Weird because that looks like it's a fun movie. But I saw The Devil sounds absolutely disgusting. Um, yeah, it's a good, I've never seen that. I've, I've heard about it, though. And the box art to Tale of Two Sisters is disgusting. So, like, I don't... I, I, I said before, I'm not a big fan of horror that's actually scary. <laughs> <laughs> so so I haven't seen his films. Um so I apologize to everybody who was hoping to get a, a deep dive into the work of Kim Ji Woon. Um there are podcasts that cover good films. Go listen to one of those. Uh this is his only American film. <laughs> I feel like he made this, it bombed. We'll get to that because this movie fucking bombed. Uh he made this and it was like, fuck it, I'm out. <laughs> Went back to Korea. Uh, he was supposed to make a do a remake of an old film called Max and the Junkman with Clive Owen and Sienna Miller. They were being discussed to be in it, but either this movie bombed so hard and he couldn't do it, or this movie bombed so hard and he didn't want to do it. Yeah, and he either just way, skeeted back to Korea. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you know what? This is not working out. This is not. This is not for me. It's a weird choice. Like, I'm. I think this movie is beautiful. Oh yeah, especially oh. all the action. All the action is gorgeously directed. And the uh, we'll get the the early nighttime stuff looks great. This looks absolutely great. Uh he does really well lit nighttime shit, which is really, you know, you don't hear that a lot in modern movies. Um but yeah, I like I, I he's I wish he would do more films that I can tolerate because I think he's a good director. And I'll just really just burn through the behind the scenes stuff really quick with the, with the people who made it. It was written by a guy named Andrew Nauer, who also wrote a paranormal sex comedy called Ghost Team One, uh, a failed Rebel, Will, Rebel Wilson straight to, straight to Netflix movie called Senior Year, which she plays, she plays a high school girl who gets to a coma and then wakes up like 20 years later to finish high school. It looks terrible. Yeah, I've never um, heard of that. And something I want to see called Castle Falls, which is a Scott Atkins Dolph Lundgren film directed by Dolph Lundgren. Go on. 
I can't. I haven't seen it. Um, it has middling reviews on Letterboxd, but it looks interesting. And it was shot during the pandemic, so it's like super tight, very small cast. I love Scott Atkins. Oh, big big Scott Atkins, Atkins fans in this show. I mean, yeah, we're, we're Ninja fans. So Yeah, of course. Yeah. And apparently the real writer for this, though, is a guy named Jeffrey Nakamoff, Nakmanoff, who wrote Day After Tomorrow. Normal shit. No, really realistic, uh, scientifically based film screenwriting. Uh, <laughs> damn near, damn near documentary esque film. Oh, <laughs> totally. This is this day after tomorrow is a science documentary, and the last stand is totally how um, prison escapes, drug cartels, and small town police work in real life. No questions. It's a um, slice of life. <laughs> 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 just like Danny Aiello's other, other film I watched this year, Moonstruck. They're identical. <laughs> Moonstruck's a good movie. Watch Moonstruck. Anyway, and this is produced by Lorenzo Di Bonaventura, who, a name you might not know, but he's produced all the Transformers films, so he's a billionaire. I, I, I felt like I recognized his name either from 80s, something 80s cartoons, or something Transformers G.I. Joe related. Yeah, he produced those. He was the guy, he used to be the president of Warner Brothers, and he was the, responsible for getting the Matrix and the Matrix and Harry Potter films made. Okay. So he's doing just fine. He also did make it produce Meg and Meg 2, which I love, and Doom. The Rock the, the Rock Doom movie? Yes, Doom. So you oh, know wow. they can't all be bangers. course we're here to talk about arnold so anthony what is your personal relationship with arnold schwarzenegger uh well as a kid of the 80s i grew up on arnold um i mean probably everything from like commando and predator to when i was way too young to watch them to like even uh you know post governor arnold doing you know movies like this and um I'd say he's got definitely more hits and misses for me. There's a little bit of everything in there. But, yeah, big Arnold fan. Also, I just, in the past year, watched his documentary series on Netflix, which I thought was really interesting oh. if you're an Arnold fan. Uh, I'm going to highly recommend that documentary. I think it's just called Arnold, by the way. Okay. okay. I think it's in three parts. The reason I think this is such a good doc to watch, especially if you're a fan of Arnold, is that he is very he's very open about things from his career to his politics to his personal life and his like shortcomings and like he's very like you learn a lot about him, um, and he just straight up answers things about you know his mistakes he's made and and his successes. And if you're a fan of Arnold, I I can't recommend that documentary series enough on Netflix. You should really watch it. Okay, I'll check. I have to read. I'm going to read up for Netflix uh, soon. I want to watch that and the slide documentary. The slide uh, documentary I watched after, and I thought it was okay, but I I feel like it didn't go. It didn't go in, into depth as much as the Arnold one did, maybe because the Arnold series was like, I think, three episodes. They were like an hour each, and Sly was like maybe one, like an hour and a half. But I feel and like Sly just didn't even cover much of his career. It was it was a little more surface level to me. I think the Arnold was a better watch, but they're both worth checking out. And Arnold is probably less vain than Stallone. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, Stallone seems to be a lot more serious than his, and Arnold has a lot of more, you know, human and joking moments, moments and things about like discussing his his rivalry with Stallone and stuff. And, and it's it's really good. Watch the Arnold one for sure. Okay. Stallone, I, I feel like it could be a little bit better, but definitely check both of those out. Did you watch Fubar? I have not yet. I've been meaning to check that out. Me too, because I, I I just I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, yeah, same. I've always loved his movies. When I was a kid, he was like at him and like. So Stallone was always for me Rocky and Rambo, you know, yeah. and like other good movies like Cliffhanger, you know, and like Stallone's a better like Stallone is obviously a better writer because he's he is a writer. <laughs> um, yes, and I feel like Stallone's career is interesting because he could have been an auteur, but it just yeah. didn't. But he looks like him. He looks at how he looks, so he became an action star. You know, Schwarzenegger was born to do this shit. I found a news article in. A whale, a newspaper from Wales, 1967. 19-year-old Arnold Schwarzenegger is there doing a like a bodybuilding show. And also there is David Prowse, aka Darth Vader. Oh yeah. Yes. So that's that'd be a hell of a scene to watch, those two in their prime together. Um but yeah, I totally grew up with Arnold. And then when his career started to take a decline, it really bummed me out. So, like, Arnold really peaks with, uh, with uh, T2, I think. Like, both critically and commercially. And True Lies. I was, was going to say, yeah, I think True Lies, for me, was the peak. Yeah. I mean, it's a commercial peak. That movie made $378 million worldwide yeah. in 1994 dollars. That's a lot of fucking money. And then he followed that up with what I would say was his last true runaway hit. And that's Eraser. Eraser. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I like Eraser. It's a stupid movie. It gave us rail guns. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah, I mean, it's a very video game weapon. Oh, yeah. I mean, that came, like Quake 2 came out right after, I think, right around the same time. <laughs> and I think like what, uh, like Perfect Dark had like a kind of gun like yeah. that, like the, the Farsight or something. Yeah. And Eraser did good internationally, but not so good domestically, but it still made a profit. But then after that, you get like a one-two punch of Batman and Robin, which I have still not seen. I kind of want to because I bet I would like it in a camp value. I'm surprised you haven't seen uh, it. It is so campy. I'm surprised you have not seen it. (laughs) I'm sure my boyfriend would love it. Um, And then a movie I have seen. End of Days, which just sucks shit. Yeah, I I saw this one in theaters. <laughs> Me too. I bought the fucking soundtrack for that Guns N' Roses song. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the, that was the first original Guns N' Roses release since uh, Usual Losing Two. There was a oh. cut. Co- they do a cover of Sympathy for the Devil on the interview with the vampire soundtrack, but that was their first original song since usually losing one or two. I was super stoked. I liked it because I like industrial metal, but that album sucked. That movie sucked. It was a hit internationally and it did okay domestically, but I really think that what those two things combined were just big nails in the coffin for his career back in the day. Yeah. Um, Cause he followed that up with the sixth day, which you haven't seen. You said that's a fun movie. It's not great. It does have Michael Rappaport in it uh, <laughs> for like a minute. And uh, anybody else of note? 
I forgot who the bad guy. The bad guy is the is Dave, Tony Goldwyn, the guy who's also strangely in. I just mentioned oh the mechanic, and it's not a great film, but it is fun. The CG is horrible. Yeah, Robert Duvall's there for like a minute. It was like an early two thousands movie. Yeah, wasn't two thousand, two thousand, and yeah. Terry Crews is there for five seconds. Okay. Uh, yeah. And it's okay. It doesn't really understand. It's about cloning, but it doesn't really understand what clones are because these people don't seem to be too bummed about dying when they know they're going to be cloned. And I'm like, that's not how it works. You're still dead. Like, your consciousness is going to be gone. (laughs) You know? This is making Uh, me want to watch it more now because now I'm really curious about it. It is a great... It's a really fun movie to watch to see like what they got right about the future, like self-driving cars, smart refrigerators, okay. um, but like smoking's illegal, you know. So it's it's a fun movie. It's a good recommend, even though it, it, the action is not great and the CG is terrible. And then after that was Collateral Damage, which whoo, oh wow, um, what a lot what of- a piece of shit. Well, I remember this movie being more famous also for like I think it was. Um, a little bit after, you know, like 9-11. And there was it was like, it filmed was, before 9-11 and had to come out after. That's and it's what about it was. terrorism. Yeah. Um, and it's a nuanced take on the reasons of that terrorism happens and the complexities of international politics. It's basically like commando, but, re- but more realistic. And I don't want that. Yeah, no. No, like, that's not what I'd come to Arnold for. No, I think even taking the real world situations around the movie's release coming out, it's just not a good. I, I do remember reading this movie and just thinking overall, this is just not a good movie. Period. It would have bombed no matter what. Uh, yeah, here's a strange sentence: nine eleven didn't help Arnold's career, but um, of many tra- it's a multifaceted tragedy. But uh, that movie would have bombed regardless. And then after that, he made T three, which was a huge hit because of course it was, and. Then he became governor. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot about Terminator Three. Even though it's another one, I did see in the theater. Which I've never seen it. It's you know what? Considering how many movies there are in the Terminator franchise, which is a weird thing to say, it's not that bad. It's it's okay. Uh, you of course you know people can't watch it with the context of the sequel to T Two because you can't follow up T Two. Of course, without no, James no. Cameron, especially. It's a it's a a perfectly decent ish action movie uh with maybe one or two scenes that i remember that were pretty interesting from the trailer that were pretty decent in the movie but I, i've never rewatched it it never felt terribly offensive the only thing i remember about it that were, like, was really different was he was fighting a female terminator in this one yeah and i and, know i've seen the ending and the ending is great and she's like she can like stretch and stuff like you know where t1000 <laughs> was liquid she there's a scene where she's fighting and she kind of can like wrap herself around him and like bend herself like it's so really he's weird, fighting but. he's fighting mr Man- mr fantastic you know, in a way, yes, yes, okay. he is. Yeah. So, yeah. So then, Arnold becomes governor. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know a lot about his politics. I know he's a Republican, but he also is anti-gerrymandering and pro-climate action. So he's, you know, I could have a conversation with him and not want to die. Yeah. There you <laughs> go. So I'll give him that much credit. You know, so good for him. Uh, as governor, I think his only film role was that very short cameo in The Expendables. The first yeah. one. And I can't remember if this was uh, before he was governor or during that time was when The Rock made the rundown and he has a cameo in the very, very beginning. 
that's around the same time. Maybe maybe it came out around the same time. Before. That one line scene that's kind of like him handing the torch to the rock, right? Yeah. Yeah, he uh, says like good luck or something. Have fun. Yeah, that's what it was. Have fun. And he was right. It took 15 more years for the rock to get there. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the rundown's a great movie. I love the rundown. Yeah. Christopher Walken talking about the tooth fairy. Uh Good shit. So also, then he's got, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm Ernie sorry. Reyes Jr. Great fight scene with Ernie Reyes Jr. You're right. Yeah, is, yeah man, I want to watch the rundown again. Uh, and yeah. The Rock is sexy as hell in that before he became fucking roided out to hell. Just a bald mountain of muscle now. I like lean. <laughs> I like the lean rock more. So we have that. Then he's governor. And then post gubernatorial Arnold, you get The Expendables 2, which is a, a, a bigger. He has two scenes in that, and he actually does some action. Um. Expendables 2 is a fun movie. I like Expendables 2. I think it's the best one of all the ones they've made. I have not seen 3 or the new one. I didn't see 3 because of fuck Mel Gibson. I'm pretty strict on that one. I do like the end of that with him and Bruce and Stallone trading quips. Like, somebody else says, I'll be back. Somebody else says, somebody else says yippee Kaye. It's a fun little joke. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, Van Damme's villain is called a villain, which is funny. So then, that brings us up to 2013. Where Arnold's back. He's no longer governor. He wants to get back into movie making. He is over 60 years old. <laughs> Tastes have changed. And so, based on what I could find... Oh, also, I wanted to really rant, so not to get off topic. So, this is the newest movie I've covered on this podcast, 2013. Newest, newest by a long shot. Um You'd think that make it easier to research, but it actually is harder because there's less newspaper coverage about it, and the internet coverage about it is either all dead from websites that no longer exist, or it's all clickbait. Or so, like really trying to find out a lot about the production. I really still, even though it came out in 2013, I had to rely on newspapers and magazines because the internet just was not helpful. I almost feel like you'd have too many things to sift through because it's only ten years old. No, does this not? And also, it's it's this movie. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, fair. If it was The Matrix or like something that came out, like The Hobbit came out, you know, or something, uh, what's a, I, you know, like The Hobbit came out around the same time as this. Yeah, that's easier to research. This, you know. Maybe well, not so much. You know what? That that kind of makes sense because this is, I mean, it, it is a, uh, you know, Hollywood movie with like, you know, actual like star in it, even though it's kind of like in a way he's coming out of retirement. But say this movie came out maybe 10 years prior, you know, might have had a little more notice. Yeah. Well, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah. But it was, it, the script was done before he came on board, but then heavily rewritten. And even Kim Ji-woon was on before Arnold got on board. So I think that attracted Arnold to it. He signed on to this and the escape plan at the same time. Made this, chose this to be first, escape plan second. Escape plan is the film with Stallone. Yeah, well, they're trying to escape out of like the most secure prison in the world or the something most, like that. The most ridiculously secure prison in the world. That movie yeah. is dumber than shit. It's not, <laughs> it's not terrible. Uh, that, was a big, that was a big international hit, but in America it bombed. Uh, yeah. And the, I I prefer this film. I do too. Film. I remember I remember renting Escape Plan and uh, thinking, of course, yeah, it's it's a thing you've always hoped for as a, a person growing up watching Stallone and Schwarzenegger. But it's a thing you've hoped you'd see maybe like ten or 20, 20 years before. Yeah, I mean, imagine if Tango and Cash had been Stallone and Schwarzenegger. 
oh yeah i mean it, kurt russell's great but yeah you know just that i i i've read articles of like people said that wouldn't work out because the eagles are too big especially especially stallones um yeah. but I don't care. Like, you know, like I said in my letterbox review for that movie, you know, when I'm living in my climate controlled bunker, bunker in, the, in the dystopian future in 20 years, I'm going to use AI to make my, my favorite, my, my dream 1980s Stallone Schwarzenegger film and no one can stop me. Um, <laughs> I just, I just, I could watch those two guys fire machine guns all day. <laughs> yeah, I'd watch it. I'd watch it too. Uh, we'll cover the post last stand stuff after, the, after we talk about this movie. But that brings us to the last stand. Uh, you know, he signed on like he was 63 years, old, 63 years old during filming. He was still doing some political stuff while he was filming it. He actually went to a climate conference with stitches in his head because of an injury he got making this movie. Oh, wow. Yes. Also, I forgot to mention, this was also kind of controversial because he was going to make movies like immediately after he was governor. But do you remember, do you remember his scandal? Uh, was it the one with like his maid? Yeah, his housekeeper. He had yeah. an affair with the housekeeper a long time ago. I think even like not that time because this the kids the kids an adult now, and he had a secret like a secret love child, which is a fun he phrase also, to say. He also does talk about this stuff in the Netflix documentary. Good, you know. Yeah. And for me, on on a scandal level, especially nowadays, like a consensual affair between two adults, I really don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, there's a power mechanic there, but that's who I don't. There's real problems out there, people. I don't care if two people have sex consensually. <laughs> yeah, it's really their business. It's exactly it's their business, not mine. It's you know he's if I'm gonna hate Arnold for that, then there are people that are much closer than me I have to dislike too. <laughs> so, and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> going to talk about a lot about this movie uh this movie is on max if you haven't seen it uh it's available everywhere i recommend watching it before you listen to this however this isn't this isn't this is a case where this, this is not a body level case where if we're going to spoil big things you know how this movie is going to end when you start watching it so if you if you're not convinced to watch it listen to us talk about it then watch it you're not going to be lose anything you know not gonna dull the experience. <laughs> if you watch the trailer for this movie, you will know every beat of this movie. Yeah, but you're still the, gonna enjoy it just as much. And the basic outline of the movie. What what is the basic the basic plot? So okay, Arnold uh, playing playing up to the fact that he is an older guy in this. He's a town sheriff in this really small place in Arizona. I think it's called Somerville, Somerset, Somerton, 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 Arizona. Um, and you know he's actually on his day off. And while he's enjoying his day off, uh, there's like this huge drug dealer who's like compared to like Pablo Escobar levels of dangerous. He's being escorted by the FBI. Of course, this guy yeah, gets, it goes wrong. Yeah, yeah, it goes wrong. And he is now trying to head to the border, and he's trying to cover a path through Arnold's very small town to get to the border. Yeah, and of course, those two things collide. 
It is basically a, a classic Western in wrapped up in an 80s action film. Yeah. Yes. And so the movie opens, like, I this movie opens, no opening credits. Just the last stand, but there. Uh, with the fast car. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, he's, got, like, he's got, like, this badass Corvette that he's driving. Yeah, it's a Corvette ZX. CR1? CR1. I'm not a, I, I'm not a, ask me anything about a car made during my lifetime. I can't help you. Ask me about a 1973 Dodge Challenger. I'm there. Uh, it opens with this fast car. You don't really get the context. It's speeding through the desert. It goes past a cop doing 200 miles an hour. And the cops like, that was a plane. Um, and then it cuts to Summerton. Where this is a very small town. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone knows everyone. Everyone is everyone, and everyone is leaving town to go to a football game, which I'm surprised this is not Texas. Oh, yeah. 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 Probably like the state championship game or something. Yeah, high school Because they're, they're, they're all taking buses because they're talking about it's like a four or five hour drive out of town. Something. It's a high school football thing. So yeah, I'm surprised it's not Texas. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm not wrong, am I? No. Hey, it's, as a Texan, yeah, no, it, it is, really is like that with high school football out here. We're recording this during Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, 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 we actually are. Yeah, so we're asking the wrong people about football. I'm, I'm proud of you, Anthony. Um, <laughs> uh, I told him before we were recording. He's I give him honorary gay points for um, uh, not watching the Super Bowl. Uh, you get uh, a you get you get a free Carly Rae Jepsen CD. The only, I mean, my only thing <laughs> I could be docked for is that I, I miss Usher performing during Black History Month. So other than that. Oh, yeah, uh, that's about it. <laughs> his new song's good, right? I, I haven't heard, heard it yet. I heard he had a good yeah. new song. Anyway, um, I like Usher. Yeah. Anyway, uh, cuts to I. One of my favorite things about a movie like this, when the movie's entertaining, and this is very entertaining, I really like clumsy exposition. Oh and yeah. This movie is full of it so, because very early on, you get the mayor who Arnold does not like leaving his Mustang in a, in a fire lane and giving Arnold the keys. Because he's, he's jumping on the bus to ride with everyone else to the, to the, to the game. Yes. And then I was watching with my friend last night and my friend was like, that's going to come into play later. Yep. That's the first yeah. thing I thought, like we're definitely going to see that car later. Yeah. And then Arnold goes into the, Cafe, and that's when he sees two truckers. Is one of those truckers Peter Stromer? I forgot. Yes, uh, yes, one of them is. Yeah, oh, yeah. Peter Stromer is in this as Burrell, kind of the, one of the head henchmen. Uh, what is he most famous for? I guess I, I know him in Fargo. Was he the Russian cosmonaut in Armageddon? Yes, he was. Good eye. Because I remember he always had that little speech about Russian parts or whatever parts or something. He has this, this line that people always quote. And I remember him okay. most from Armageddon, even though he's been in a ton of things. Yeah. Is he like a meme? Because, like, I feel <sighs> like he's in so many things. I feel like he just kind of always plays the same kind of character, usually. He's good he's at always it. That, he's good at it. He's always like that same kind of bad guy. He's got that very threatening vibe to him. He's really good at it. But I think the thing about him is that usually it's just his accent changes. Like, I wasn't expecting his accent in this at all. Yeah, because it's kind of like Southern... Yeah, and he's like from Sweden. <laughs> like it, it really threw me off. Good for him. It's kind of like um, 
there's a movie, uh, a Kenneth Branagh film called Dead Again, which I recommend, where Kenneth Branagh, who's British, plays an American, and then you cut to him in a past life, and he's German. And it's like, you're just showing off. <laughs> I can do accents. We get it, dude. Calm down. Uh, so, yeah, he, he, he sees these two guys. He kind of eyes them. Uh, as I said in my notes, it's nice to see non nice to see non racial profiling in a film. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like he he suspect he suspects they're up to no good, but he doesn't really know what's going on. He he asks the um, later on he asks one of his deputies to to run run their plates. But then we cut. So we got we got already got we got already got two cases of some nice clumsy exposition. Then we cut to <laughs> what. Who 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 is introduced next? Is this where they go to the farm where they're shooting guns? Yes, yes. Okay. So before we, well, okay. So we'll say it's the character's name's Dinkum, but it's Johnny Knoxville. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, even before we get to Johnny Knoxville, for some reason, when I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking about something about this movie reminds me of Walking Tall. Not necessarily The Rock, just the movie and the story of Walking Tall, Buford Putzer, and like I, I used to watch the, the movies from the seventies, Walking Tall. Oh, I love the first Walking Tall. Yeah. And of course The Rock, then my brain does a thing where it goes, Oh, The Rock also remade Walking Tall with Johnny Knoxville as his deputy, I'm pretty sure, in that movie. Johnny Knoxville is in the Walking Tall movie? I did not know yes, that. He is in the one with The Rock. He is. Oh, so fuck's sake. My brain kept doing a thing during this movie going, isn't Johnny Knoxville the deputy in the Walking Tall remake? I'm pretty sure he is. And other than that, I just kept thinking about Walking Tall. And then when Johnny Knoxville showed up, it really confused me for a second because I was like, I think he's in that movie also, which he is. I feel but, like Johnny Knoxville has obviously jackass, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's his thing. And for like there were like two periods in in history where he tried to be a quote unquote real actor, and the first was in the early two thousands because he was in that John Waters film A Dirty Shame, uh, the Dukes of Hazard movie, yep. uh, um, The Ringer, and Walking Tall, yep. kind of all back to back to back, and he has a small role and then a black two, and he gets around, um. None of those movies are particularly good. Um, I have not seen Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> you know, for what it was, it's fine. It's fine. My favorite thing about Dukes of Hazard, not to go off on another tangent, so the Dukes of Hazard TV show mm-hmm. is based on a movie. I did not know that. It is based on a movie called Moonrunners, I believe. Uh, okay. Which is about, as you can guess, um, you know, moonshine, moonshine. Yeah. Uh, they paid for the rights to turn that into a TV series. Then, some point now, I, I I don't know all the details, but basically, what happens is, then in two thousand something, someone says, "Hey, the Dukes of Hazard should be a movie. Let's turn it into a movie." No one at Warner Brothers remembered that it already was a movie. They didn't own the rights to that movie, so. After the Dukes of Hazard was finished being filmed, they had to pay the people who owned that movie pretty much the budget of the movie wow. to get it released. So there was no way it was ever going to make money. I find that story hilarious. Anyway, um, accountants are important people. They're <laughs> good ones. Um, so yeah, Johnny Knoxville is here playing Dinkum, who is 
such a stupid fucking he's, name. He's like, it's just like, okay, he's the town idiot who loves guns. It just really feels like Johnny Knoxville yeah. in, a, in a jackass skit with guns. Exactly. It's like when Johnny Knoxville shot himself in the chest. Yeah. You ever seen that? Actually, I think I have. I've seen a but lot of that jackass. That was a big, brother, a big brother thing. Not, not jackass. Jackass wouldn't let them do that. Um, he went to the desert with a bulletproof vest and shot himself in the wheel with a wheel gun. Oh, okay. No, I don't think I've seen that. <laughs> it's fucked up. Anyway, um, so he's there. Uh, this cute little blonde boy's there. <laughs> Forgot his name. Uh, that is... Oh, he's the, the deputy, right? The deputy, uh, Zach Gifford, who was on Friday Night Lights, and he's on the Fall of the House of Usher TV series on Netflix. Um, but more importantly, the other deputies there, Luis Guzman. Yes. Yes. I will Great watch him. character movie. actor. Yes. Yes. He got to work with, so he, so we have two people in this scene who worked with Arnold and The Rock. What did Louise Guzman work with The Rock in? Journey to the Mysterious Island. Oh, that's why I did not know that, because I've never seen that. That is a fun movie. Um, it's, it's better than the first one with Brendan Fraser. Uh, okay. I, I recommend, they're both good little cute. They're very cute family action films. I, I recommend them both. And Luis Guzman is playing Luis Guzman in both of them. Yeah. He's just <laughs> yeah. himself in like, every role he is. I mean, except for stuff like Carlitos Way. But, you know, like most of the light comedy stuff. Even a Boogie Nights. Yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, if you got I'm a always happy when he shows up in the movie, though. Yeah, me too. I, I've always got to see him. And so then you get Stallone. Oh, not Stallone. <laughs> Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Wrong movie. Schwarzenegger shows up. He's angry that he says two-thirds of his force are out there. So that, that tells good exposition. He has three people on his force. Yep. Um, and Johnny Knoxville sets up that these guns he has are legal because he has a gun museum that's open for two hours every thir- two Thursdays a month. <laughs> Smart. Um, and then the the gun is that the firing is so powerful. The one deputy almost breaks his nose with the recoil, but Arnold can shoot it with one hand. Of course, because you know, he's Arnold. That's his job. Well, I mean, look at him. <laughs> look at him. Look at him. Even sixty-three year old Ar- Arnold. Uh, look, I, I get accused of being too horny on this podcast. I apologize. Sixty-three year old Arnold looks damn good. Like, I mean, the man never stops taking care of himself. Even to this day, he still works out. He still puts videos of himself taking care of himself. But he's not. So, he's not crazy huge buff anymore. He looks like like it's a, a regular sized buff dude. And he yeah. wears it well. Uh, yeah. Hair dye aside. Just let, <laughs> let, let your hair be gray, man. It's okay. It's okay. So it cuts back to the bad guys. So we still don't really know what's going on with the bad guys. No. Um, there is the... We, we've seen the fast car and that's it. Uh, we cut to this farm where the trucks are going, where Peter Stromero is. And they're building something. You don't know what. There's a ton of henchmen there. The only one of note is the really, really big guy. It's a guy named Tate Fletcher who was in The Mandalorian. He's a big, big man. Uh, okay. Yes. And Harry Dean Stanton's there. <laughs> yeah, which I didn't recognize that, that was who that was. I didn't recognize him. It's one of his last films. He passed away, I think, in 2017. Um, as a, and he's a farmer, and it's his land. And he's like, get off my land. And they kill him. 
Very brutally, too. Like, I, I, I thought something about the way this was filmed. I thought it was going to cut for a second. And uh, he has, like, this line. Uh, Peter Stormare is trying to offer to buy his, his farmland or something. and he, Rent it, rent it, rent it. Yeah. Or to rent it, yeah. And he's like, you know, if you don't get off my land, I'm going to put some, you know, bullets in you, whatever. Buckshot in your ass. Yeah, buckshot in your ass. And then Peter Sermon says, well, if you don't take the silver, you get the lead. And they immediately, like, snipe him in the head. Yeah, and it's kind of bad very CG. Violently. Yeah. Bad. This movie has some bad CG. A lot of it is, like, I don't mind CG blood because I get why they use it. Um, that's some bad CG. A lot of the fights are good, especially the last fight. Uh, some of the CG is great, but I guess C- uh, the uncanny valley of, of Harry Dean Stanton is pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> so they kill him and then we cut I believe that's when oh we cut back now we go to the jail for probably the most forced exposition with the deputy Torrance played by Jamie Alexander who's Lady Schiff Lady Sif is that her name Lady Sif yeah Lady Sif okay I don't watch Marvel films uh, and as the other deputy and then her ex-boyfriend slash current drunk Frank Martinez, played by Rodrigo Santoro, who was um, Xerxes in 300 and Paulo in Lost, a very early 2000s career. And he explains in like three lines of dialogue that they used to date. She disappointed him. He's a fuck up, but he was good in the army or good in the Marines. (laughs) And also to show you how much of a small town this is, he is in jail as in the only jail cell in the entire building in the sheriff's office it looks like it's like the like the drunk tank in uh what, in like mayberry yeah you thank you i was i was i was i was stumbling okay. there like the drunk the drunken mayberry hilarious yeah. and he's friends he's friends with, with the white boy deputy like they're buddies yeah uh, kind of homo social relationship there i think also the little white the, the i keep calling a white boy but i don't know why he's very white <laughs> he's very he's very like cute little blonde boy uh he wants to go to la and be a real cop and arnold's like you don't want to do that i've been there and we get more of that later so then we finally figure out what the hell's going on (laughs) so we cut to vegas at night this um once so now it's the next day i think it's the next day we cut the vegas at night the rest of this movie takes place between like four o'clock in the morning and 7 30 in the morning yeah, it's weird. It just it's the t- time frame is a little off during this part. Well, the I just think the entirety of the film takes place after my boyfriend goes to sleep before he wakes up. Um, <laughs> he would miss the whole film. Uh, we're in Vegas and we see the FBI with Agent Bannister, played by Forrest Whitaker. And let me tell you, any time that Forrest Whitaker, because I feel like he's played this kind of role a couple of times. Anytime he, has, he plays like upset or flustered police officer or FBI agent, I love it. He he's really <laughs> good at being really irritated. <laughs> he's great in phone booth. I've never seen that. I need to oh, watch that. Watts phone booth. I need to you watch want, that. Phone booth is written by Larry Cohen, who wrote who wrote Cue the Last Serpent and stuff and like all my favorite films. It is a good Joel Sumarka film. And it is 80 minutes long. I gotta watch it. I don't yes. know why I haven't seen that movie. It's fantastic, fantastic, fantastic movie. Uh, he's great in that. He's great in this. He had a big year this year. Then in 2013, he was in seven fucking movies. <laughs> Whoa. He also produced uh, Fruitville Station that year. 
Fruit oh, wow. Vale. Okay. Fruit Vale station. Yeah. But uh, I'm going to run down some of these, see if you've heard of any of these. Uh, a horror film called Repentance. I have not heard of that. A South African film called Zulu. No relation to Zulu. <laughs> no, I only, only know the, or the older Zulu movie. Pawn with Michael Chiklis. Never heard of that either. Um, Out of the Furnace, a crime drama with Kristen Bale, Woody Harrelson, Willem Dafoe, Zoe Saldana, and Casey Affleck. I haven't heard of that either. The Butler. I have heard of that. Yeah, that was a huge hit. Yeah. Uh, and then Black Nativity. Uh, okay. I have heard of this. <laughs> <laughs> I saved uh, that for the last, not to play stereotypes, <laughs> but I figured, you know, I'm, you would know people who that's the talking market for. for. For those listening, I am a black man. And I have heard of black nativity. <laughs> um, and you know what's funny is I don't know if I've seen it or not because I've seen a lot of those movies that are yeah, like I, I, the random black holiday movie. I might yeah, have seen this. I'm not, I'm not saying it. Be, I'm not saying that you've seen this because you're black. I'm saying this because <laughs> I imagine your mom is black. <laughs> <laughs> she is. That's why I'm not sure if I've seen it or not. Yes, yes. <laughs> I feel I'm like sorry. it might have been on. That it might have been on in her house. Oh no, not at all. Okay, good. That's a no, musical because... with okay. uh, Angela, a musical drama, which is a rarity, with Angela Bassett, who I love. Um, She's amazing. Uh, Jennifer Hudson, who I love. Um, Tyrese, who's Tyrese? <laughs> um, Mary J. Blige and Nas. Okay, until Nas. you said Nas, I thought I had seen this. Now I know I Nas. have not, because I don't remember seeing Nas in this. No, Illumatic, uh, Kristen. <laughs> yeah, that's him, right? I, Illumin- yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I don't know much I've about definitely Nas. Definitely not seen this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so that's a strange one. So there were two people in this movie who were in a hit this year, and and one, Schwarzenegger is not one of them. The other is Johnny Knoxville, because this came out the same year as Bad Grandpa, uh, which made a hundred million dollars. But the butler also big hit. Um, but he, I do like that about two thirds of Forrest Whitaker's performances in one room. Yeah, it really is. He doesn't. He doesn't leave very much. They're in a situation room, so he's given his staff the rundown. What's the, what's going? What's what's happening here, Anthony? Uh, so okay, he's he's the one telling them that hey, we're doing this transfer. This guy's like the biggest, most dangerous. Um, Drug dealer since I think he does reference directly. He directly the reference is Noriega, yeah. Or yeah, and he's like, you know, we got to make sure that nothing goes wrong and all this. And they, you know, they've got this whole caravan of cars to transport this one guy. And Forrest Whitaker and his guys are like in the lead car, and they're just driving kind of single file down the street. Yeah, and <laughs> which was hilarious to me the way this was shot. Uh, they get to a red light, and you know something weird's about about to happen. Oh, this is and great. yes. A crane, a crane that's just out of frame. Uh, <laughs> a crane comes down, and the magnet part of it like just clamps on to the uh the van that he, that he's in with like one agent guarding him in the back of the van. Yeah, and, and not, just yeah, pulls yeah. it up, just pulls it up, and also they show inside the van he's got something in his hands. So no one thought to check this guy, even though he's he's like he's got wrist shackles and he's got the ankle sh- shackles and the chain connecting both but no one thought to check his hands yeah. and you know yeah. and i mean they compare him to uh escobar not noriega the actor's name is eduardo noriega so i made the made the mistake he he mostly okay. works in spanish film uh he's playing gabriel cortez which is a great evil bad guy name uh there's also i think a woman in leather on top of the crane with the machine gun and you never see her again 
Yeah, and, and yeah. then also I was wondering how does no one notice that this crane is picking him up at first? But then I, I thought also it was kind of cool the way they answered that. His guys are on top of a building controlling it like remotely with like a, a computer. There's yeah, no man. one in the crane. That yeah. was really cool. So. Yeah, and this entire sequence is at night, and and like I said before, it's beautiful. They do a very good job of it being at night, but everything is crystal clear to see. Yeah, which you don't get in a lot of modern action films. Also, not a lot, not a lot of shaky cam. Good, clear shots. You see what's going on. So they take the. Also, it is interesting. This is the second biggest action scene in the film. Arnold's not there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they take it up to a roof. They blow up. They blow up the truck. He gets out. They do this fun stuff with decoys dressed in jumpsuits running around Vegas, so they can't figure out where he is, which I thought was funny. Um, he takes a hostage, uh, played by uh, Agent Richards, played by Dennis S. Rodriguez, um, who's also in Tusk and Yoga Hosers. Oh my goodness! This might be <laughs> her biggest seen... role. Um, yeah. She has big early 2000s Denise Richards vibes. Um, Yes. She's very pretty. And they escape in this super fast car. One of the FBI agents knows it is a specially modified Corvette that was stolen from a car show. Yeah, my favorite thing is like they're looking at this surveillance camera and they see the car coming around the corner and Forrest Whitaker's like, freeze it. And you're thinking he's going to say like, you know, like check for the plates or whatever. He's like, hey, get agent so-and-so. He knows cars. Yeah. <laughs> this guy just comes over. This is the one thing he does. It's so great. And <laughs> this is when you kind of, they, it takes a while to get there. But the basic plan of Cortez is to drive a fast car. Topical. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a ticket to anywhere but here to Mexico and his gang of dipshits in Summerton are building a military bridge to go they're, over this chasm into Mexico. Like, like it's what? the stupidest plan because like they say they close all the airports. That's fine. They can't close all the fucking fields. Go to the middle of nowhere, get in a small plane. It is needlessly complex. <laughs> Uh, it's so much more work than they need to do. So much more work than they like. This fucking put them in a fucking cargo container. Like there are all there are a billion ways to do this. They chose the most convoluted way that would result in the highest body count. Um, because at this point, people start pop. People start dropping like flies. The idiot. The the, the two deputies stumble upon. They, oh yeah. So if we forgot to mention, so they killed the the Harry Stanton. He delivers the milk to the cafe in the morning, right? usually. He's not there. The waitress calls, calls Arnold. Arnold calls his deputies. They go to the house. They find the dead body. Yeah, because she's like, he's so consistent. Something has to happen to him. He's old. She's like, I hope he didn't have a heart attack or something. Could you go check on him? And then they get there and it's like, oh, okay, well, he's dead. And he's now they dead. start to realize something's not right. And Arnold realizes that he was sniped and the body was moved. Yeah. So he's starting to think something's up. He gets a phone call from the Forrest Whitaker, not the Forrest, Forrest Whitaker, and he tells him what's kind of what's going on, but Arnold's like, I'm busy, hangs up the phone on him. Yeah. Uh, then at the same time, the deputies kind of stumble upon the construction site. They do a very, they idiotically, the, the woman turns her back on them, and then they just off that dude, like, slowly. Yeah. Yeah. Bad police work. 
bad decisions being made here. Arnold rescues them. Uh, blonde boy dies in the car. Everyone's very sad. Uh, at the same time, that the SWAT team roadblock set up to stop the Corvette, they are fucking murked. <laughs> oh, yeah. They have I no love, shot. I love that scene. I love the scene with the two SUVs pulling up and then like 8,000 guys with guns pop out. <laughs> like a fucking clown car that will murder your family. Um, this, this guy has like his own personal army. He does not roll light. Well, yeah, that's why they compare him to Escobar. Like, yeah. he, he ain't going back. To, to jail yeah. and it, it held he has a he can pay anybody any amount of money in the world to to help him so great so that's we that's kind of the opening action so now we get that's the everyone blows up there's the murder death mayhem but arnold's done almost nothing surprisingly surprisingly he 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 shot some guys in his car uh we find out the fbi is in route uh you find out Arnold Arnie's backstory. Um, the uh, the sheriff was in worked for the LAPD. His name is Ray Owens, by the way. Fucking it's Arnold. Um, he had a but drug bust go bad. He moves to a small town to be sheriff because he doesn't want to see accident anymore. Pretty much is Arnold's backstory. And while the FBI is trying to get people out there, Arnold realizes that he needs help, so they free the sexy drunk. Uh, deputize him. They deputize Johnny Knoxville and get all his guns. And, and he lets the guy because the guy was going to only be in jail for the weekend for you know sitting in the drunk tank. But he does have that line of like, "Are you still as good of a crack shot as you used to be, or whatever?" And then you know because like he's going to deputize him. It's so there's something about this movie that's so like eighties B yeah, action yeah. movie. We'll get there too. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's like it's almost the scene from Blazing Saddles played straight. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. How's your hand? Oh, this is look. Look how smooth it is. Look how smooth my hand is. Yeah, I shoot with this one. <laughs> uh, then they go. I, my favorite. I like when they go to Johnny Knoxville's gun museum and he has a fucking Gatling gun that he calls a Nazi killer. The Nazi killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah boy. Um, so we get my my when I was watching this with my friend last night, he thought this part was pretty slow, and it is pretty slow, but it's only about fifteen minutes. I never felt like this movie really was that slow. I, I felt neither. like it was paced pretty pretty yeah. well. Because the last 40 fucking minutes is the title of the movie, The Last Stand, uh, yeah. once they show up. So they plan their stuff. They they cut down a telephone pole in a, in a hilarious, very jackass-esque stunt uh, to make a roadblock. They, they plan everything. My favorite part of this scene of this sequence is when Arnold goes to the cafe to tell everyone to leave, to tell everyone to leave. And I might just put that scene in here now. Hey Ray. Listen guys, there's an escaped fugitive coming through town. It's too dangerous for you to stay here. I want everyone to go home. Did you hear what I just said? We just ordered breakfast. It's for your own safety. You're talking to a 72-year-old man with high cholesterol eating a bacon and cheddar omelet with extra cheddar. Do I look like I'm afraid of death? <laughs> well, don't look at me. I ordered the same thing. Well, I just started cooking. Where's Christy? Went to get milk. 
Just stay away from the windows, okay? Stay away from the windows. Okay. We can do that. Just keep uh, your head down, whatever. I love that joke. It's stupid. Uh, but oh man, I but absolutely it's so perfect. That's a great line. That's a great that's a great little one-off comic relief moment. And then we get to the action sequence, which is just 40 minutes of what you came here for. I feel like, I don't remember when it started, but I feel like nothing led up until the credits rolled. I was just like, oh, we are in it now. Like, Yeah, it's a well-paced, you know, there's something to be said, and I've said this multiple times on this podcast, there is really something to be said for the 90 to 100 minute action film. You know, what I did notice watching this, and of course, because they also address it in the movie, of course, as you mentioned earlier, when Arnold made this, he was 63. Um, I feel like this is a movie he still would have made when he was younger, but of course, he would have probably done more like, you know, more physical stuff, hand-to-hand stuff, and like, you know, more jumping around moving. But I was surprised how physical his character was, even for his age, because like, a lot of it is him just shooting from like, you know, behind cover, like in a car or whatever. But there's this one great moment. And I don't remember, I don't think this was in the trailer, but like, I think he's running and chasing this guy out of a window and they fall down again. Oh, that's off the, great. They fall off the side of this building and while they're falling, he shoots the guy in the head and it's so kinetic. Yeah. It's clearly a stuntman that, that's, that's not Arnold doing it. But well, like, yeah, yeah. for the character, for the guy that's old to move this quick, I'm like, that was such a badass scene that caught me off guard. I, I think I audibly said, oh shit, in my living room when it happened. Yeah, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, because he just <laughs> blows the dude's head off and lands on his body. Uh, and Arnold did do a lot of his own stunts. Remember, he 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 cut his head open just making this movie. He had to get stitches. That's right. So That's he right. D- he still was doing a lot of his own stuff. Like, he is toned down here, obviously. He's not Commando. Uh, who can be? But, like, when, he's, when, he, when they pull up in that fucking school bus. Yeah. And the back door opens. And Arnold just unloads with the Nazi killer. I have the same look on my face that Johnny Knoxville has in the scene. (laughs) Like, I'm as stoked to watch this shit as he is stoked to be there. Um, And that felt like that felt like if the guy who was in Commando was in his 60s as a a retired or a sheriff. Matrix is not dead yet, motherfuckers. Yeah, Yeah, this felt like a John Matrix move. Like John Matrix, John Matrix in his 60s would pull out a fucking Gatling gun. And you know what it also felt like for a moment was kind of a in T2 when he's kind of holding the Gatling gun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like a callback. Felt like a callback visually to that too. This movie doesn't have a lot of callbacks. There's no I'll be back joke. You know, it, 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 it takes itself relatively seriously. Like, I feel like it knows it's silly, but it's not a winking at you, which I like. Uh, and Arnold doesn't have many one-liners. He has the I'm the sheriff moment. Uh, I was I was going to say, I did feel like at the end, they set him up for what was, I feel, like the most predictable line. I was like, there's only one thing he can say when the guy's like, who are you? He's like, I am the sheriff. I'm like the sheriff or I'm Batman, one of the two. Um, <laughs> uh, everyone else gets good moments. Like, I think by they make up for the fact that he's older by giving, making it an ensemble and giving everybody else good moments. So yeah. like the, the woman deputy and her boyfriend have that great moment where they're, they're, they're pinned down by one guy on the stairs and they just fucking shoot the shit out of him. Uh, yeah. And immediately make out. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, he it's is a very like stressful, tense, and hot moment. You got to release the pressure somehow. Uh, <laughs> and uh, then Luis Guzman has a dope as fuck moment uh, where you think he's dead, uh, but then he pops up with a goddamn Tommy gun. There is a uh, there's a moment somewhere I think early. Oh no, actually, before the shootout starts, when they're setting up the blockade and like Arnold is on the way. And Luis Guzman is like, hey, these guys are here, like, on the other side of, of the blockade. And he's telling them, like, hey, don't engage till we get there. Yeah, yeah. And the one really cute chick who works at the diner, she's oblivious. She's walking through with, like, the milk and stuff. <laughs> yeah, he's stupid. She doesn't know that there's a murderer on the other side of the street. And she's, like, talking to Luis Guzman, like, why are you hiding over there? And he's trying to get her to get out of, out of the way get in the cover. And I don't know if you want to drop this in, but, like, the <laughs> Peter Stormare's southern accent in this moment <laughs> – <laughs> he sees this woman walking to the diner. He's, and he says something like, What are these cars parked for? Look at that ass. Christy, you gotta get off the street, baby. Why are you hiding behind a car? I could kill for that ass. Peter still so weird. given a lot in his performance. You know, <laughs> He's uh, chewing the hell out of the scenery. Because he does a lot more as a bad guy than, than Noriega does as Cortez. Because Cortez spends most of the film driving. Um, yeah. And with Richards, oh, by the way, Richards was a double agent. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then he kicks her out of the fucking car. <laughs> Some cold shit. Uh, there was one of the agents I want to point out before I forget. There is one of the FBI agents, uh, David Henney plays Agent Hayes. I just want to point him out because he was Tadashi in Big Hero 6, and he's in Criminal Minds TV shows, and he is gorgeous. Anyway, moving on. Sorry. <laughs> it's been a long time since they've been able to be in front of a podcast and like we picked a movie with a lot of handsome men. What am I Listen, listen. <clears throat> I was here for hot um hot police lady and hot lady in the diner who goes to get milk at bad times. I was here for both of them too. So listen, you're yeah, not the only there's one. There's a lot who's... of attractive people in this film, but that's not but they yeah. look like real humans. The the, yeah. the trailer for Twisters just dropped. Have you have you seen that trailer? I did see that, yeah. They're too young and too handsome. Yeah. Yeah, no, you had to, got to have some grit on you if you're going to chase tornadoes. The people in this movie, like, uh, what's his name? The guy who played Martinez, the guy who played Rodrigo Santoro, like, he's a devastatingly handsome man, but he's grizzled. <laughs> like, my most relatable moment in this movie was when, uh, after everything's over, and, like, they're trying to get Dinkum, Johnny Knoxville, into, like, the... Uh, ambulance and he's yeah. trying to be tough he's like no no i can i'm i can i can walk him on i'm good and then here comes a cute girl from the diner he goes well unless sarah wants to help me <laughs> yeah smart man smart man uh, johnny knox was a good moment also where he fires a flare gun yes and then that dude's, like, yeah go ahead then like the guy's arm comes off when he gets hit the with dude the flare explodes gun. he explodes <laughs> I think his arm was the only thing left over. Is what it was. The arm lands on something. It's like fucking Mortal Kombat Gibbs. Like I wanted to see like four, four or five rib cages. Yeah, uh, it was pretty, pretty gruesome. But there's still some good humor here. There's the old lady mur- murdering that dude. Uh, yeah, she she's in like an antique shop or something. The guy shows up. She's like, you know, you, you you're trespassing or something. You have to leave. And then he doesn't. And the next thing you see, the guy just go through the window because she shoots him. And then and Arnold's like obliged, <laughs> and then there's probably the best another good one liner when Arnold is running and dies for the diner. 
How are you, Sheriff? Old. Nah, you got a ways to go yet. <laughs> good, good, good one-liners. We get a few more good fight scenes, a few more good gunfights. There's the the duel between him and and Peter Stormare in, in the bus where he goes under the bus, blows his fucking ear off. Yep. Uh, delivers the "I'm the sheriff" line. And then there's a moment where the movie where the movie works so well that I felt stupid for a second because there's a moment where after uh after like the gunfight in the in the middle of the city stops and here comes you know our guy who's on the run for the border tears through the city through the barricade and my first thought was. How the fuck is he going to catch him? And for for a moment, <laughs> for a moment, I forgot earlier in the movie that we uh, saw the other sports car. Yeah. That he has the keys to. I am shocked that Chevy let them do this because they clearly got sponsorship from Chevy. They don't call the, the Corvette gray. They call it cyber gray because that's the official color for the car. Okay. Like, they had to get paid to say that. But Chevy let them waste that car. Oh, with yeah. A, with a Mustang. So that's surprising. Uh, there's, yeah, the, the Children of the Corn fight. <laughs> is That's kind of where the CG gets bad. And I feel like the bridge itself is bad CG, too. Like, it's not yeah, a real location. The bridge, the bridge was very noticeably, like... Like weird green screen or something. It's uncanny. It's not like obvious. Like you can't point out why it looks bad. It doesn't doesn't look right. It looks like a matte painting. Yeah, yeah, it does. But the fight itself is very good. Yeah, the fight was the fight was was good. It was better than I expected. Um, but yeah, I. It's just such a fun movie. I thought it was a great way to end it. It was so so much fun. I love that he takes them in alive. Yeah, he throws the cuffs in front of him. And he's like, put those on or I'll put them on for you. Yeah, and then he does that dope ass. There's like two dope ass body slams. Like it's it's like fucking Mike Hagar. Uh yeah. Going to town on this dude. Uh a lot of knife action, like good fight sequence. It's always hard to make a movie of Arnold, even sixty three year old Arnold, where the fight's believable. A lot like, of uh, mm-hmm. MMA type of fighting in this. Yeah, it was it was it was it was more more modern than a lot of yeah. the stuff you see Arnold fighting with, and it was cool. I, I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. No guns, just a good old fashioned like fight to end the movie. Brings him back alive, shakes Force Whitaker's hand, says calls the mayor a smuck, and they all seem to have forgotten that one of their best friends died two hours ago, and they're all happy now. And I, I forgot, too, until someone made a comment. I think he tells the deputy guy, either, I think he gives him something. Yeah. And he's like, so-and-so would have wanted you to have this or something. I think oh, he gave that's him right. Badge. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's like the only mention of the, of the guy that's ever made for the rest of the, the time. Yeah. But I do like the mayor comes back. Every, it seems like the entire town oh, was yeah. gone. And no one knew that this happened. They come back from like the big football game, and the mayor's car. Which, by the way, one of the things that happened to the car was that the roof, the whole top half, got taken off. Yeah, yeah. And the car's bashed to hell. And he looks at Arnold like, "What happened to my car?" And Arnold throws the keys back to him like, "You shouldn't have parked in the fire lane." Smuck. <laughs> smuck. He calls him a smuck. I like yeah. smuck. Uh, <laughs> it's a good because Arnold's character is very wholesome. Like, and even at one point, he says that Cortez gives us immigrants a bad name. Yeah, yeah, uh, he does. Is this a very wholesome, like, conservative, not in a political conservative way, just like old-fashioned type guy you get, the, you get the gist of, you know, just like, yeah. yeah.
very entertaining 105 minutes, but nobody saw it <laughs> when it came out. So this came out January 17th, 2013, Martin Luther King Day weekend. Oh, January is not known for the place you put movies you have a lot of faith in. No. It Traditionally. Traditionally, yes. I want to see Beekeeper, but yes, you're right. Uh, so I'm going to run down the top 10 here. Okay. Uh, in his first week with $32 million, Mama, the horror film. Okay. Not the, the it's the one of the imaginary, I forgot, it's weird. It's uh, Guillermo del Toro movie or produced movie or whatever. Oh, oh, he did produce that? Oh, oh yeah, you're right. He, he did, yeah. It. Okay. Yeah. Uh, with the girl in the cap. Yeah. It's really creepy. <laughs> <laughs> it looks creepy, yes. Uh, then number two, I lost my notes. Number two, Zero Dark Thirty with $18 million in his fifth week. Okay. Number three, uh, fucking Silver Linings Playbook in its 12th week with t- in its 10th week with $12 million. So this, this drama in its 10th week did better than The Last Stand. Okay. Yeah. Now Oscar, oh, Oscar Buzz probably was helping that one too. No, I'm going to name three movies. Have you, do you remember any of these? Gangster Squad. I have actually seen Gangster Squad. Who the fuck is in Gangster Squad? Gangster Squad was, okay. Oh, so Ryan Gosling and Sean Penn? <laughs> yeah, Sean Penn, um, I want to say Anthony Mackie's in it. There's like a, uh, yeah, a lot yeah. of celebrities in this, actually. But I think the thing that happened with Gangster Squad is, uh, you know, we mentioned earlier one of the movies, uh, Collateral Damage, of course, affected by the timing and the mm-hmm. content of it. Uh, this is weird that I remember oh, this. Oh, I'm reading this now. Yeah, go ahead. Gangster Squad has a scene, or I, I don't know if they took it out or not when they released it, but there was a scene in the movie where they shoot people in a movie theater, mm-hmm. and this happened after the Aurora shooting in the Batman movie a few months before. So yeah. they hesitated on releasing that movie, and it got bumped back to January, which I think by that time, people lost interest in it. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I forgot all about. I forgot all about this movie and that shooting because there's so many goddamn shootings in America. I, I strangely remember this movie for that reason. I do remember seeing it because I was curious about it, and it's, okay. it's very forgettable. Okay, then after that, Broken City. Don't know what this is. Broken City is a crime drama with Mark Wahlberg, Russell Crowe, and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah, that doesn't sound familiar at all. Directed by one of the Hughes brothers. Oh, see, now I'm kind of interested. Yeah, uh, that's, that's Menace Society, right? Yeah. That's them, yeah. Yeah, so like, what? But And it bombed too. And then at number six, something called A Haunted House. Uh, a Haunted House is the Waynes Brothers doing the scary oh, movie stuff. Fuck off. But I think there was some legal reason they couldn't call them scary movie anymore. So they, they started a whole new thing called a haunted house, which is a not even parodies of scary and horror movies, just parody, just more parodies. It's just, it's just more crap. Oh God. I fucking, yeah, they made, movie. they made two of the haunted house movies after they quit making the scary movie movies. And I see it has uh Cedric the entertainer also. Uh, yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. I'm not, not a fan of him. Um, then after that Django Unchained in his fourth week, with nine million, that's number seven. Then okay. Les Mis in its fourth week with nine million, that's number eight. Number nine is The Hobbit in its sixth week with seven point six. Then at number ten, The Last Stand, seven point two million. That's so. That's so bad. That doesn't deserve that at all. Just a complete flop. Fell to six, number sixteen in its second week, 
fell to 29th in its third week. In its third week, it was outgrossed by a collection of Oscar-nominated short films that were released together in cinemas. We couldn't get Arnold to make more movie than a shitty Wayans Brothers parody? Really? Yeah, it's a it's a goddamn shame. Uh, just, and it got mediocre. I didn't have enough time because of my health stuff to really research the reception, but it got decent reviews. I remember Ebert liked it. Um, yeah, it's it's fine. But like, I think this completely killed this and Escape Plan. Just completely killed Arnold's po- post gubernatorial career. So let's look at that. So. After the last stand, we have the escape plan, which we already talked about. That did Ooh. very well internationally, but bombed domestically. $25 million. 2014, Sabotage. Have you seen this one? I have not seen it, but I remember hearing about it. I had never heard anything good about it. It is a piece of shit. It is <laughs> by David Ayer. Okay. from he did. I think he did Suicide Squad. Yeah, the first and, one, yeah. and uh, Bright. Um, oh. And I want to see Beekeeper. He directed that. It has an interesting cast. It has uh, Sam Worthington. Oh, from uh, Avatar? Yeah, and and Terrence Howard. Okay. So somebody was still casting him. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But Terrence Howard's role is very small, and you're like, he's going to be a bad guy because he hasn't done anything yet. (laughs) And you're right. (laughs) It's a horrible movie. They play a corrupt DEA squad. That steals money, but then someone steals the money from them, and then someone starts killing them. It was, oh, and it also has Olivia Williams from uh, Rushmore. Okay, and she's really, I, she's really good in it. But the, this, this, oh, it's oh, that movie. That is the that might be the worst Schwarzenegger film I've seen. Uh, it's yes. worse than End of Days. It's worse than Six Day. It's worse than Red Sonia. Um, it's terrible. So that barely released. It bombs. Then The Expendables 3, that gets negative reviews. They make it PG-13. It bombs. Yeah. Then he goes indie with two films. Well, he, we'll get to the other Terminators, but he makes Maggie, which is a super low-budget zombie drama. Which I've been meaning to watch. I hear so many good things about this movie. I hear he's very good in it. It looks very depressing. I don't need that in my life, but I'm glad everybody who like everybody who's seen it, even if they don't like it, they're like Arnold's really, really good in this movie. Yeah, and they say the same thing about Aftermath, which is based on a true story. He plays a man whose family is killed in a plane crash that is the fault of the air traffic controller, and he plots to kill him. And it's not a fun revenge movie; it's a serious drama about. The cycle of revenge. Now, that um, one I'm not familiar with. It is also a film that got mediocre reviews, but everyone said he was fantastic in it. Neither of those did well, even for indie films, though. So at the same time he made those, he also made Terminator Genesis, which is a piece of shit. I think that is the worst Terminator movie by a mile. I haven't seen three or four, but I can imagine horrible. it being horrible, insultingly bad. Like, just like it has contempt for the audience bad. It's a horrible film. Unwatchably bad. It's one of the first times I really considered walking out of a movie theater. I saw it on a plane and I wanted to walk out of the plane. (laughs) (laughs) So bad it was. Um, Fucking shit movie. Uh, 
and then but also Dark Fate, and I love Dark Fate. I think Dark Fate has some weird stuff in it, but I did like it overall. Yeah, I mean it has some problems, but it's a good movie. Like, like yeah. it's not up to one and two. I think I love Linda Hamilton. So I'll watch her do anything. And it was nice to get something that resembled a proper sequel to T2. Yeah, I think it's the best thing we've had since two, as far as the movies are concerned. And it uses Arnold's character well. Like, he's a supporting character in it. It explains why he's old. The stuff of him talking about drapes was very funny. (laughs) (laughs) So, and that's really it for Arnie. Like, he's still around. He has a good face. Follow him on Facebook. He's fun. Mm -hmm. Um... He's very he's very concerned about climate action, you know. That's great. I'm glad he uses this platform to to do something that should be apolitical, you know. Um, and I guess more recently he's in Fubar. Yeah, the TV show on uh, Netflix. The Netflix series and 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 that got decent reviews. I I will probably watch that when I get when I re I don't always up for Netflix, but I wait till there's like enough stuff to watch, and then. I'll, I'll I, I get it all at once. I, I am looking at the cast, and apparently Scott Thompson from the, from the Kids in the Halls in that. So okay, see, I've got to watch this now. And Tom Arnold. Oh wow, wow! They haven't done anything together since True Lies, right? Yeah. Tom, hey, I, hey, yo, hey, here's a here's a bold statement. Are you ready for a bold statement? Go for it. Tom Arnold can be funny. Yeah. Yes, he has the best scene in 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 nine months when. <laughs> Hugh Grant's at his house, and his wife, played by Joan Cusack, is mad at him and won't let him in. And so C says to Tom Arnold, who's there? And Tom Arnold says, my mom. And then C says, but your mom's dead. And he says, I know, it's really weird. What? Oh, man. I like that. I like I like that. I like that movie. It's a good movie. So, yeah, maybe I'll check that out. You know, it just, it just bums me out that we didn't get more old man Arnold. Like I remember watching an MTV thing, like in the nineties when Arnold talking about his career, I tried to find it. I couldn't find it. Well, he, he said in this interview, like he wanted to do drama. He wanted to do Western. He wanted to do more comedy, but he just never got the chance because he looks like him. Yeah. Uh, Also, he, I don't know if you know the Hans and Franz movie that never got made. Yeah. 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 He, he had said he wanted to make that movie, and uh, Conan O'Brien did a reading of the script with um, Kevin Nealon and Dana Carvey on his podcast. And Jesus. at the time, Arnold was down to make it, and part of the reason why it didn't happen was because Last Action Hero came out, and it didn't do well. Yeah, you know what's also a great fucking movie? Yeah, Last Action Hero. Yeah, that movie fucking <laughs> I rules. Love that movie. That movie I rules. love that movie. I want Last Action yeah. I was the perfect age for that movie. When the movie came out that summer, I, I think I saw it in the theater like three times. Yeah, I fucking love La- Last Action Hero has aged like fucking wine. Uh, yeah. That movie has, is I think it's postmodern pastiche works so well now. Uh, he looks so cool in it. Um, it was ahead of its time, I think, honestly. Whenever I see a movie with uh, F. Murray Abraham, which happens quite often for some reason uh i always tell my boyfriend i don't trust that guy he killed mozart he killed mozart <laughs> he killed mozart uh 
it's just, it's so good. It's a fun fucking movie. Um, people need to watch Last Action Hero. It's it's a it's it was ahead of its time. Also, fucking rad soundtrack. I uh, definitely bought the soundtrack for that movie when it came out. The soundtrack is a fantastic mix of grunge and '80s music. It has ACDC, Alice in Chains, Queen's Right, Death Leopard, Anthrax, Aerosmith. Fucking oh, Tesla. Yeah. I love Tesla. Um, Buckethead. This good shit. Um, yeah. Great fucking movie. Great fucking soundtrack. You know, a good play on '80s action films. Which leads me to the last point here. You know, is Last Stand a quote '80s action film? I feel like it's an '80s action film at its at its core, like at its story, at its you know um, everything about it. I'd say, except for the CG elements, I'd say that movie would have been mm. made in the '80s, probably with all the same ideas and everything. Just you know that that last fight probably would have been like on an actual location. Other yeah, than that, yeah. I feel like that movie definitely could have been made in the eighties. Yeah. It feels a thematically eighties because it's goofy, but it takes itself seriously. Uh, it ha- it's filled with action and it gets in and gets out. I feel like you could even swap just the same, everything except the vehicles would have been like whatever badass sports cars would have been back then. Like those versions of those cars, everything else you could keep the same. I would watch this movie over 1985 uh, Porsche 911. Yeah. And it would like, work just as well. It'd be like Evil Outrun. Yeah. And you know what? Forrest Whitaker could still play the FBI agent like he did in Bloodsport, and it would fucking work <laughs> just He's as well. Bloodsport? <laughs> he is. Okay. Have you seen Bloodsport like, recently? Seen, uh, I don't think I've seen. Okay. So that's, that's that. Is that song called Van Damme? Yeah. It's a Van Damme movie. Uh, is you that know, with the one with Polo Young? Yes. I have seen Bloodsport. Yeah, I forgot so, I forgot he was in it. Yes. He's very, very, very much like not in the movie a lot, but he's one of the two FBI agents that's chasing Van Damme to try to, you know, because he's I think in the movie he's like a he's gone AWOL to go to this tournament. Okay. He's one of the two agents chasing him to try to bring him back. And it's him and this other guy, and they're always in suits chasing Van Damme through the city. And it's a thing that I saw like Early in life, and then much later realized, oh, wait, that was Forrest Whitaker, because I've watched it so many times. But he is in Bloodsport, playing the same kind of role with, like, a lot less power, you know? Okay, I'll have to, I'll have to rewatch. It, 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 I liked Bloodsport when I watched it. Bloodsport, actually, you could watch it as he was this character starting out with the FBI, and <laughs> Last Stand could be him 30 years later that he's gotten promoted up to this position now. The, the Bloodsport cinematic universe? There you go, yes. with Forrest Whitaker. All right, <laughs> one more thing really quick. I have to rank this film. I have 78 films on this list. Number one is Sorcerer. Number 78 is Firestarter. (laughs) Okay. I think that this is a good film. So I agree. It's better than Natural Born Killers. Uh, That's my cutoff. I would put this. It's not as good as Action Jackson. Rest in peace, Carl Weathers. Uh, Yes. I would say it's probably though right next to it. I would say this is my new number forty-five. Uh, you know what? Right above Race with the Devil, and I would agree with that. Yeah, that was that was a few, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, I thought we did an episode together, and I would yeah. I would totally agree with that. Yeah. So, and also Ninja Three, was, were you there? Were you there for that one too? Yes, I was. Okay. We, were, we did all the Ninja movies together. And Anthony Trifecta. Okay. Yeah. So. And into two. Um, but so that means this so people get an idea. That means 
Last Stand, scientifically, is not as good as Google 13. <laughs> foul. This is a silly list. Foul Play <laughs> with with uh, Timmy Chase and Goldie Hawn. American Flash Dance. American. Oh, that's a that's a that's a whole other thing. American Ninja Two or Action Jackson, but it's better than Race of the Devil, Ninja Three, Shakedown, Trick or Treat, and Big Shots and Troll. So I feel like that's good company. Those are all good films. I think we're doing good work here. I'm agreeing with everything that's so. happening here. That is now 79 films on this podcast. So uh, hopefully I'll hit 100 this year before my body explodes. <laughs> 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 uh, it's a quick scheduling note. I wanted to point this out beforehand. Sorry, Anthony. Um, I'm probably going to stick month. I, this, this is coming up in the middle of February. I hope by March, if my body stops killing me, then I should be able to go back to bi-weekly. At the very least, probably two a month, maybe not not on a strict schedule. But I appreciate everyone's patience. Sorry if every, sorry I moved at the same time I got COVID and my and my back exploded. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck a doodle do. So, uh, Anthony, where can they find you online? Uh, you can find me on the side that I'm still calling Twitter at yes, Bruce Wayne Brady. Also on Twitch at Bruce Wayne Brady, where I've been playing a lot of Tekken 8. I'm not addicted at all. I can stop whenever I want to. Also, I'm on uh, Blue Sky at Bruce Wayne Brady 44. So pretty much Bruce Wayne what? Brady in most Someone took Bruce Wayne Brady? Yeah, I, I don't know how that happened. I was like, seriously, someone has it. Come on, like, what the hell? Mother- Give me my name. I'm, uh, so. I'm angry for you, man. It's okay if you search for me though on there. I mean, it's it's the it's the one that says the number one Tekken player in my house. Again, <laughs> I'm not addicted. I can stop whenever I want to. I gotta I gotta I gotta hook up my PlayStation, but then I'm gonna get Tekken Tekken Eight. Uh, it's great. It's a great time. And I don't I I I will never play it online. That's fine. You you will have just as much fun because there's just as much content for single player. Yeah, yeah. Right now, if anyone wants a gaming recommendation on my end, uh, I've been playing a roguelite called Oblivion Over Overdrive, Obli- Oblivion Over, <laughs> Oblivion Override. Uh, do you like dead cells? Do you like robots? Go there you on. go. Um, I like this more than dead cells because it's not punching me in the dick. Um, <laughs> There. So, so it, I recommend that if you like a good roguelite that has a good, good progression and you feel like a badass when you play it, I recommend that. But anyway, I would be back at some point probably in March. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Until then, take care. And also, of course, you can find me everywhere as Lost Turntable. I, I, I got No one got that on, on me, Anthony. I win that one. Well played. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks again, Anthony. I'll see you all later. Until then, take care. <laughs>